Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians. This week, we're going to do another sort of Thanksgiving-themed sermon, and then next week, we'll start the Advent season. If you're using one of the Blue Chair Bibles, it's found on page 984. Go blue. I was sitting on a bench down in Bayview, and someone declared his cheering for the color blue. I looked up and began a conversation with a complete stranger. Sitting on that bench, I immediately said, yeah, that two minutes, that was way closer than it needed to be. I never knew that man. I never even asked his name. It's probably a little rude of me. But all of a sudden, I had a conversation with a stranger over a color. Now, some of you might know why a color would bond two strangers. If you would have looked at what the man was wearing, you would have seen those fateful letters, M-I-C-H-I-G-A-N, Michigan across his chest. And if you would have looked upon my head, I would have been crowned with a hat that not only had the outline of the state of Michigan, but the M for the University of Michigan. I also want you to know that I wrote these notes before I knew the outcome of the game on Saturday and opened myself up to potential shame. But go blue. (laughs) In split seconds, my clothing and his clothing created a bond between two strangers. This is one of the aspects of our culture. We wear our fandom on our bodies. And we don't just wear it to games. We wear it all around our normal lives and in some places even to church. That's more a Midwest thing, I think. And you can actually tell a decent amount of someone by the sports clothing they wear. If you were to look in my closet and look at the hats that I own, you could probably make an educated guess where I have lived in my life, and you'd probably be right. I tell you that story not to say, hey, here's how you have a conversation with a stranger or how to avoid a conversation with a stranger. But I want us to think about clothing this morning. Our passage is a part of a larger passage that uses this verb, to put on. And it's the same verb that would have been used back then to talk about putting on clothing. And so in this larger section of Colossians, Paul is talking about putting on Christian virtue and Christian action like clothing. And a couple things we're going to draw from that. One, just as clothing covers our bodies, so too Christian virtue and action should cover our whole lives. But the other thing, like wearing sports clothing our action, our virtue should be lived out in such a way that it is observable to others and that it ultimately communicates reality 
not our identity with that fandom, but our actions should identify us as followers of Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to pick out from this larger section in Colossians, we're going to pick out the virtue and the action of thankfulness. And just as people wear the clothing of their favorite teams and universities, so too I want to call us to wear thankfulness in every aspect of our lives, pointing people that we are different, that we are followers of Jesus. So let's look, Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 15. Follow along as I read. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. We start with a very simple command, a very broad command, a command that is not modified in a lot of ways. Paul simply says, be thankful. Now the way that this is written, it can also have the meaning of become faithful, or excuse me, become thankful, as in striving to be more and more thankful. And this is not an uncommon way for our Bibles to speak. When we talk about godly character and godly action, we are speaking about what should be true of us, but that does not mean we are finished or completed with it, but that as we follow Jesus, we become more and more like him. That when we speak of Christian virtue, it is something that you should have and you should be growing in at the same time. I appreciate how Peter words this in 2 Peter, and this is right after a list of Christian virtues. And he says this, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things I want you to see here in this very simple statement, and be thankful, that this is what should identify you as a Christian, a thankful person, but also something that you need to continue to grow in as you become more and more like Jesus. But it also fits into the theme that I want you to see throughout the passage is the all-encompassing nature of thankfulness. Again, that idea of wearing clothing, of Christian virtue being like clothing. When people see you, if they were to describe you to someone else, would they identify you as someone who is thankful? That alerts us to this fact that we should be humbled by the simplicity of this command, but at the same time, this is one of those simple truths that can transform your life. Now, there's not a causal link between the two parts of verse 15, speaking of the peace of Christ and being thankful, but in my experience, there is a connection between the two. 
the peace that we have in our lives through Christ, through his death and resurrection, and in his provision is to rule in our hearts. It's a different way to think of peace as ruling in your life. But it speaks to this, that I have peace when I know I am saved by Jesus. And I have peace when I know that God will supply all my needs. And when I have peace that comes from Christ, not my ability or performance to achieve that peace, it helps me to be thankful. If I don't have God's peace ruling in my life, then my life is chaos. Then I do not have a solid ground on which to stand to be thankful. But when my life is centered on the peace I have through Christ, it is the solid rock, the solid foundation on which I can live my life and so that I can be thankful. Now, as often with the case with this idea of be thankful. Well, what does that mean? One of the things I find helpful is what does it not mean? What is the opposite? We, we, in English, we don't say unthankfulness. We, we, we'll say ungrateful, right? So what makes someone ungrateful? What prevents you from being thankful in your life? I thought of two big, big ideas here. Number one, what a person received was not good enough, right? In their perception, I, it's hard for me to be thankful for something that if you give me something that I, I don't think was good enough, right? And the second, we're not thankful, we're ungrateful when we believe we deserve what we have received. Some might call this being entitled, Can I also note at this point that people who are ungrateful tend to be angry and bitter? And, and, and I want you to think of this. How many ungrateful people are you eager to socialize with? They're like, you know who I want to find? I want to find some ungrateful, bitter people today. Said no one ever. I want to connect this to our understanding of who God is. And what we have in Christ. That when we understand that everything God gives us is good, we will be thankful. We won't say, well, God, what you gave me isn't good enough. And when we understand that all that God gives us is according to his grace, we lose our entitlement. And that fuels our thankfulness. We don't deserve the blessing of God. We don't deserve our salvation in Christ. And so when we understand these things rightly, and when we understand what we're not to be, that helps us to understand what it means to be thankful. Something that I've found to be true is that thankfulness will usually correspond to a life of joy and contentment and that they feed off each other. As we grow in joy, we grow in thankfulness. As we grow in thankfulness, we grow in joy. 
As we grow in contentment, we grow in thankfulness. And as we grow in thankfulness, we grow in contentment. The more I experience, the more thankful I am. And the more thankful I am, the more joyful I will be. We are called, very plainly, to be a thankful people. God has blessed you. God has blessed you with every good thing. He is not stingy and has blessed you more than you deserve. Therefore, be thankful and wear your thankfulness like your clothes. Now, Paul continues on in his description of the clothes that Christians wear. And in the next verse, thankfulness comes up again, this time in the context of corporate singing and worship. So let's look at verse 16 there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, verse 16 says a lot about our singing, but for today, I want to focus on this fact, that Paul presents singing as a vehicle for our thankfulness to God. One of the ways you know that the word of Christ dwells in you richly is by your singing. Now, all of those ING words in this verse modify and describe what it looks like when God's word is inside our hearts. When God's word is at work in our lives, we sing. Notice we sing to both teach and admonish or warn each other. When we sing, we are supposed to be singing wisdom that instructs and encourages the whole body of Christ. And we do this through what Paul notes as psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, we don't know exactly what those differences were to Paul back when he wrote them. But at a minimum, we need to see a variety of forms of musical praise that the early church used. You know, one of the mistakes that the church has made in its history is insisting on too narrow a musical expression. And this verse speaks to the variety of musical expression that the church uses to express praise to God. In fact, the hymnal I grew up with was divided in this way, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And if you want a fun conversation, I'll tell you how many of your favorite hymns were in the spiritual songs part of the hymnal I grew up with, but that's another time. But all of this is done. All of this is done with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, it should be noted that the word translated thankfulness here is a slightly different phrase than in 15 and 17, but the big idea is still the same. And it may be used in this context to highlight the fact that we are thankful as a response to the great grace of God in our lives. You know, I think it's helpful to look back what Paul said earlier in Colossians when he's talking about thanks back there in, in chapter 1. This is chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. Giving thanks to the Father 
who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So again, for our purposes today, we need to see that congregational singing is one of the gifts that God has given us to express our thankfulness to God. This is why it's important for all of us to sing, not just the worship team up here on the platform. We also need to see that our expression of thanks to God is not just for me, or not just an individualized experience of singing. In one sense, we are all singing to each other. Again, to go back to earlier in the verse there, that we are teaching and admonishing one another through singing. I think this really cuts at the core of many people's understanding of the individualized experience of worship. That it's too individualized. And this verse shows us the corporate nature of our singing. We're not just a bunch of individuals singing. We're singing to God, but also to each other. I want you to think of our singing as teaching one another thankfulness. Again, it does more than that, but again, for our purposes today, focusing on thankfulness. That when we sing together, we're teaching one another, be thankful. Can I also add that there is, again, this back-and-forth relationship with thankfulness and singing that we saw earlier with peace and and thankfulness. Not only is singing a good expression of our thankfulness to God, but sometimes it works the other way. It's not just, I am thankful, therefore I will sing. It can also be, I am singing, therefore I am thankful. Singing praises to God, rehearsing the goodness of God together can fuel our thankfulness, just as our thankfulness can fuel our worship of God. Again, there's this back and forth. There's this system that singing is sometimes one of the best things we can do when we're not thankful. Because we're singing to one another the truths of God. Therefore, when we sing, we sing with thankfulness to God. Let's go to the last verse that we're going to look at today. Paul ends this section of the text actually with one of the most broad sayings so far in the text. A sweeping summary of what he has said up to this point. Look at verse 17 with me. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
It is as if Paul pointed out all the details in the previous verses and now here summarizes the main point of what he's been saying so far. Notice the repetitive, all-encompassing language in the first part of the verse. Whatever you do, word or deed, do everything. He is hitting us over the head with this truth. Paul is talking about every detail of our lives, every word and action that we do. There are no exceptions. There is something that we must admit about the human heart that we always look for the exceptions and the loopholes. (laughs) And so much of the Bible says, no, this is every part of our lives. Everything that we do, everything that we say, we are to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. That phrase, in the name of the Lord Jesus, is probably best understood as being representatives of Jesus. Everything we do is because we are Jesus' representatives here on this earth. We belong to him in faith and we represent him to the world. We are to be witnesses of Jesus to the people around us. And everything we do, everything, should be glorifying to him. We should never do anything that detracts from Jesus or makes Jesus look bad. There's a truth that everything we do either pushes people towards Jesus or pushes them away from Jesus. May everything that we do encourage people to faith in Jesus. How I do my job, how I raise my kids, how I treat my spouse, how I serve my neighbor, everything we do In the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Paul adds on this statement. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. This puts all our activity in another category. Not only are we to do everything in the name of Jesus. We are to do everything as an act of our thanks to God. Look at the standard. Every word, every deed is saying thank you to Jesus. How you love your family, how you work at your job, how you serve your neighbor, all of these are to be done as a demonstration of our thanks to God. Again, going back to that picture of being clothed with thankfulness. You're not just wearing a glove of thankfulness. It's everything that you do is infused with thankfulness to God. A couple thoughts as we close up this morning. Number one, wear your thankfulness like your clothes. What would it look like in your life to have a reputation for being thankful? When people think of you, that they think of a thankful person. I want to call you, I want to warn you to reject ungratefulness. And there is a lot of it out there, and it is very popular. And it might even make you popular to be ungrateful and angry and bitter. I want you to understand that 
that thankfulness in everything we do would actually set us apart from this world. What sets us apart as followers of Jesus is that we are thankful because we know that our salvation in Christ, we do not deserve. Every other system of religion and philosophy is earning your salvation. And you're not thankful when you earned it. But we know our salvation is unearned and undeserved. Therefore, it fuels thankfulness. We know that God provides everything that we have and need. The systems of this world view what you accumulate as what you earned and you got for yourself. But we know that is simply not true. And you won't be thankful if you think you earned everything through your grit and determination. But we know that everything we have is the abundant gift of God. Therefore, we will be thankful. Secondly, sing with thankfulness. Let your thankfulness fuel your singing and may your singing fuel your thankfulness. When you are feeling ungrateful, sing to the Lord. And when we sing, again, it's not just your individualized experience of worship. We are teaching and warning each other to follow the Lord and specifically to follow Jesus by being thankful. Thirdly, live with thankfulness. Is every word and action of your life a demonstration of your thankfulness to God? Does your love of your family, how you work at your job, how you serve your neighbor, do you do those things giving thanks to God? Thankfulness is more than a nice disposition. It is the fuel of our actions that we live in this world living in the name of the Lord Jesus. May we wear our thankfulness like clothing. And may we live every moment as thankful followers of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, that we would be thankful, that we would set ourselves apart as your followers, as people saved by faith in Jesus, by our thankfulness. That you would convict us of ungratefulness where we need convicting, and that you would empower us to be thankful people. That we would wear our thankfulness like our clothing, that people can see our thankfulness and that it covers everything that we do. God, as we close in singing, that we would teach and admonish one another in our singing and that we would call each other to be thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching this video from Hillside Evangelical Free Church. Our hope is that these resources will help you grow as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We're located in Greenbank, Washington on Whidbey Island, 
And if you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to have you join us. You can find out more information at our website at hillside-efc.com.